Awesome. Well, firstly, appreciate you coming because I know most of you will have no idea who I am. And so I thought I would kick this off with, so you can get, a bit, get to know me a little bit better. I'm going to tell you my most embarrassing story. Does anyone want to hear that? My most embarrassing story, right? Basically, <laughs> what was happening was, this was when I was younger. We went down to the beach and we were having some fun in one of the summers. And I tried, to, I, we went for a swim, right? And I've come out of the ocean and I've tried to do the old towel short removal trick. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah? Right, so I wrap this towel around my waist, right? I'm trying to get the shorts off from under the towel. And just as I get them off and I kick the shorts off, so I'm completely naked under this towel, right? Just as that happens, this massive gust of wind comes and takes my towel completely up over my head, everything exposed, and the wind was so strong that I'm flapping around. And it was, by the way, it was completely up. It was like an upside-down skirt. Like it was just a column going over my upper half of my body. And then to my... um, disappointment, right? I've then managed to flap it down and just as I've got it down and composed myself and had that thought of, I hope no one saw that, I look up and at the time I see the girl that I had a crush on, literally about five metres up the beach, along with her friends just pointing and laughing and it was the most humiliating time of my entire life. So I feel like now we're a little bit more comfortable with each other and what I want to do today is I basically just want to talk about how I found school And actually how God has completely transformed my life from a young age to where I am now, right? I see myself completely differently and it is entirely down to the grace of God. And you're going to see what kind of kid I was back in school, right? It wasn't just that I sucked at school, it was that I was the worst pupil in the entire school, right? And that was actually a title I was given by the headmaster. And I want to talk a little bit about that and then bring it through to how God's been able to transform my life. And what I want to do just real quick is I want to show you this t-shirt and I want to show you, I'm going to tell you at the end why this t-shirt means so much to me. This t-shirt here was a, um, a design that I actually got from Hillsong. Who's heard of Hillsong Church? An awesome movement, and they had this for their Easter service. And I decided to put this on a t-shirt. I want to explain at the end of this why this is so important, and it all comes full circle. So my kind of Christian journey, we're going to start right at the beginning. My Christian journey started when I was about four, right? There was a, there was a Christian camp that happened before New Day, and it was called Stonely, right? The older people in the room, right, remember Stonely, right? And they had a, they had a kids uh, group called Fours for Jesus, right? And I was in Fours for Jesus. And that is where I truly believe I gave my life to Christ, right? I remember being in that service. They had the call. Who wants to come forward? And who wants to give their life to this Jesus? And I remember doing that. And actually, I remember the kid next to me bursting into tears after he did his. And I was quite angry. I was like, why is he crying? Why am I not crying? I want to cry. Did it actually happen to me? But I knew that that was the time where I became a Christian. But the interesting thing was, I did not play that out at all until probably about... 18 years old and literally well probably about 17 18 and through that that period I kind of it didn't go uphill it went completely downhill right we're going to skip a few years and we're going to go to secondary school because in secondary school this was the kind of person that I was right I basically just had just no you know I had no understanding of authority I didn't respect authority Right, so I didn't. I didn't understand that someone else could um, tell me what to do and speak down on me. So teachers, parents, other adults. So I just had no um, respect for it. Right. So it, it didn't matter who I was talking to. I would speak to them how I wanted to. I would get aggressive at whoever I wanted to. I would do whatever I basically wanted to. I didn't want to learn in school. Right. So I was disrespectful for teachers. Uh, I was quite an angry kid. In fact, I was very angry. Right. So I was. Um, 
I would be lashing out on, on teachers. If they told me to do something and didn't want to do it, or if they shouted at me, I'd actually lash out on them. Right? I just wasn't a good kid, and that kind of also showed in my grades. I just didn't want to learn. I didn't want to be uh, in school, really. So I would skive off, and the time that I was there... I went back and saw my parents recently, and we had a look. My dad's got this folder of all the uh, reports and things, right? All the paperwork from my school. And we looked through my grades. And my GCSEs were literally Ds, Es, Fs, and quite a few of them. I can't remember what the symbol was, but it was a symbol that said, you know, not applicable. He didn't turn up. I just didn't even go to some of my GCSEs. I just never even finished them. I just did not want to be in school. I didn't like it, right? And also, I didn't care about right and wrong. I actually had no understanding. One thing that my parents were praying for me for from a young age was they were saying, God, give him a conscience. Because I just didn't have a conscience, right? I didn't understand the difference between right and wrong. So I didn't care what I did. I literally, like, I, I was that kid in school that if you told him to do something, I would do it. It didn't matter if it was going to get me into trouble. It didn't matter if I was going to look stupid. Like, I, I would just do anything. And um, that was just the kind of kid I was, right? I was the class clown as well. I was always trying to make people laugh. I thought that part of my identity in school was, was whether I make people laugh. Do people like me? And so I saw other people playing this class clown type character, right? Who's, who's got a class clown in their school? I'm just curious, right? There you go, loads of you. So I was that guy. Everything you're just thinking about now about that kid, that was me, right? I was trying to be funny. I was trying to joke. I was mocking the teachers to try and get a laugh because I thought that was where my identity was, Right? But what actually happened was, and can I, can I be really honest with you guys? Do you mind if I just get really, just really personal? And is it okay if I cry, by the way? Because <laughs> sometimes I cry during this story because it, 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 it kind of touches me, right? I was, um, the beginning of school, I was probably for the first two or three years, I was bullied quite heavily, right? And it, was, it wasn't like a severe, very public bullying. It was one of those underlining bullyings where there were just comments all the time about me or things being said behind my back. Or, you know, I remember a time where just one of the kids just grabbed all my workbooks and just chucked them in the river that we have to walk over as we leave school. Just that kind of stuff. But it was just a constant, everyday thing. And I was a scrawny little kid, so I didn't do anything about it. And all I was doing was just building up this anger inside of me that was just, it was, I wasn't, I wasn't telling anyone about it I wasn't doing anything about it I was just building up an anger inside of me and so to the point where the school just didn't know what to do with me I was just this kid that they couldn't control I was super angry I was being bullied but no one knew what to do about it right and then what kind of happened is it transformed into about halfway through secondary school, I got a bit bigger and I decided, no, I'm not going to take this anymore. So then I started to actually be the bully back. It started with me just going up to the people that bullied me and just punching them in the face, right in the chops, right? And giving them a good one so they didn't do it again. And then basically just then I turned into a bully. I was then going after the people who were um, not, as, you know, just there was something wrong with them or people at school were poking fun, I would join in. And then I became a bully. And the reason I was doing that was again it was an identity thing I thought that my identity was in what people thought of me right so then I was trying to then be this bully and I was trying to put someone down to elevate myself that's what was happening Right? I was finding something in someone else that I didn't like, that I didn't think looked good. Right? And I was pointing that out in the hopes that then that would elevate me. People would look higher on me because I'm making them laugh because I'm poking fun at this guy. And that was what was happening. And then that try- kind of moved into fighting. I just kind of moved into then this anger was still there. Didn't know what to do with it. So then I was just kind of doing that thing in school, which is just the stupidest thing ever. But you're just going up. You're trying to find the hardest guy in school. Right? And then you're, just, you're, you're fighting them. And I, I would come home 
home, sometimes black and blue, sometimes I would win. But that was just the way school was. I was just aggressive, I was angry, and I just didn't care about the authority. Someone would tell me not to fight, I didn't care. I would lash out at them. That was the kind of kid I was. And what I want to do is basically talk to you about how that kind of transformed into my home life. Because my parents got to a point where they literally didn't know what to do with me. Right? I, I, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous what I put them through. They've got this angry kid. They don't know what to do with him. I have no understanding of authority, so I don't listen to my parents. I'm coming home black and blue sometimes and not explaining why. Right? Bruised up all over. And I remember my parents, they, they told me recently what was actually going on in their head. They told me that they both prayed a particular prayer at one time. Because my parents, by the way, I grew up in a Christian family. So I've had that all around me. That's why you know, I was taken to that Christian camp when I was four years old. I had that influence around my life. And so they were probably the most encouraging people in my entire life. It didn't matter what I did. I remember significantly feeling love from them. No matter how I came home, no matter what I said or did to them, they always loved me. And I put a lot of my credit down to finding Jesus. Obviously, he found me, but they, they pushed me towards him with everything they had. Right? They, were the, they were literally the best parents on planet Earth. But they said one time, what happened, my mum dropped me off at school one time, right? And she said, she said what she did is she dropped me off. And as she was driving home, she pulled over to the side of the road and she burst into tears. And I didn't realize this, but she did this a lot apparently, right? And she burst into tears and she said to God, I don't know what to do with this kid. I literally don't know what to do with him anymore. And she said she heard so clearly from God. He said, I've put him into your family as a gift to you. He's there for a reason. And, and he said, imagine where he would be if he wasn't in your family. And so she took that as this encouragement to, to stir her on and keep pushing in, looking after me. Because God had promised her, look, he's here for a reason. right? He's under your care for a reason. And my dad had a very, very similar prayer. Right, he said one time he also called out to God and he said, God, I don't know what to do with this kid. I don't know how to control him. He doesn't listen to me. He lashes out at me. And he said that he heard super clearly from God as well. And God said, just wait until school is over. I look like a baby. What's going on? <laughs> he said, just wait until school is over. And as soon as, he, as soon as school finishes, you'll see a change in him. And so my dad told my mum, and they were just holding on to that promise that at the end of school, things were going to change. Things were going to get better, right? And um, the kind of things that I would put them through was my teachers would be calling up my parents every single day, telling them the different things that I was doing. And it became literally a daily thing, right? The phone in my house was ringing. And it got to the point where my mum said, she, there was a certain time in the day, it was about 5pm, and she knew that that was going to be the school phoning, so she wouldn't answer. Instead, she would just curl up into a ball, she would cry, and my dad would comfort her. And that happened every single day because the teachers uh, were phoning up. Right? It got to the point where the headmaster said I was the worst pupil in the entire school. Right? Not just my class, not just my year, the entire school. That's quite a title. And at the time, I was proud of it. And now I'm not proud of it, okay? And I was also doing things like I was, I was stealing. I turned into a thief, right? I got quite an addictive personality. And so I got addicted to, to some things that I shouldn't have done. And, um, and, I, and I, I needed money for that stuff, right? And so I remember I, um, I stole my, my sister's iPod this one time. Right? And you can boo that, by the way. That's not okay to do. <laughs> so I stole my sister's iPod. And what I did is I went down to the arcade and I sold her iPod for money to feed this addiction that I had, right? 
And then I did the same thing again. She didn't find out who stole it, so she bought another one. And I stole it again. And I went down and I sold it again for money. And my sister was one of the first experiences of the grace of God that I've ever experienced in my life. Because what happened was this. She found out that it was me. And long story short, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how she found out. Because my dad hears from God. Like he really does. And so he literally just said, John, I'm pretty sure you stole, a, you stole Jen's iPod. And I said, how do you know that? And he said, God told me. And that happened quite a few times, by the way. It kept happening. So I just had to, and then I just like, had to just confess. No, it was me. I'm so sorry. And, um, and what happened was my sister came up to me and she didn't say anything. She walked across the room, as this was going on, by the way, she just found out it was me. She walked across the room, said nothing, and she just put her arms around me and said, I forgive you. And it was the first experience of actual grace that I ever kind of understood in a very practical sense. In a very practical sense, I did something so wrong, yet someone who I've just wronged, who didn't deserve that, came and forgave me. And that was the first kind of experience, practical experience of the gospel that I'd ever felt, right? And the funny thing was that during school, I knew during this whole period that I was supposed to be living for Christ. I remembered that commitment that I made him when I was four years old. I always remembered it. I knew that I was a Christian. In fact, I would tell people at school that I was a Christian, and it just sounded like the most hypocritical thing in the world. But I would tell them I was a Christian, and I knew there was that underlining thing. But the way I was telling myself what was going to happen was I was saying, no, I'm going I'm to enjoy my school years for a bit, right? I'm going to enjoy this period now, or, or as much as I can. I'm going to enjoy being a bully. I'm going to enjoy not you know, respecting authority. I'm going to enjoy doing what I want when I want it and not letting anyone tell me what to do. And then I'll get serious at some, at some point. That was what was happening. I basically wasted my school years. That's what happened. But the promise that God had made my dad actually came true. What happened was as school ended and as I literally hit that 16 years old and as I went on to college to study catering, by the way, which I don't do anymore, but um, I went on to, um, to college and, uh, and, and that literally, that, that was when I remember Jesus speaking to me personally and he said, now's the time to decide. He said, are you living for me or are you living for the world? And I remember him saying that to me. And I remember thinking, right, I've got to actually make a decision about this now. Like I've, I've just wasted this entire school period where I knew who Jesus was. I've seen him around my house, but I just didn't want to engage with him because I wanted to try and enjoy my own life. And then I remember I got to that point where I had to make my own decision. Am I living for Christ or am I living for the world? And I made that decision then. In fact, it was a new day that I came to where well, I probably recommitted about 19 times. <laughs> but there was a period where I re- recommitted again. I said, no, I'm actually going to get serious about this. But here's the interesting thing. It wasn't one of these stories that you hear where suddenly, you know, I just turned into a, you know, a Bible junkie and I'm just in there, you know, 100 pages a day and I'm just going for it. It was a still a very, very slow process, but God was changing me. I was seeing his ability to change me. And something I want, him, you, want you to know about, about him working in your life, if you feel like, you know, you're, you're kind of growing in Christ is, is slower than you would like it. For me, this is what happened for me. I know it was because I hindered it. It wasn't Christ. I actually remember having a picture from Christ one time where the picture went like this. Jesus was like this, waiting for a hug, and I was just in front of him facing the other way. Just wasn't looking at him, right? His pursuit of me never died. His pursuit of me never changes. He was standing there waiting to embrace me from behind. It was me that was choosing not to look at him. And then I think when I turned 16 was when I decided to kind of start moving and start having a look at him. And I started to see some of his face. I started to see some of his glory. And it was just this period of God just turning me around so that I could start to see him in the fullness of who he is. 
And that's when God started to, God started to change me, right? And the, <laughs> the crazy thing to me is what he's been able to do in my life in terms of impacting other people, right? The boy that I've just described to you back from school and how I was with my parents, right? The fact that now I'm able to, you know, build a business, this online marketing business that I literally have no idea how I've been able to build it. I want you guys to know that, that the stuff that I've done is down to nothing that I've been able to achieve. It is 100% the grace of God. And so what he's been able to do in me is now allow me to cling onto him. Right? I've gone from looking away from him, not wanting anything to do with him, trying to do my own thing, to now actually having to cling on to him because I know that he has a plan for my life and I don't want to lose grip. I don't want to lose grip of what he's got for me because as soon as I do, that's when I drift away. Friends start speaking things over you. You start getting engaged in the wrong stuff. It's when you're holding on to Christ and literally saying, he is my foundation. And that's what happened to me is I then just began to cling on to God because I knew the stuff I was doing was out of my league. It was out of my capacity and my talent. Remember, I failed at school. I failed every subject. So I shouldn't have been able to do this. And this is what this t-shirt means to me because... I, I speak at a bunch of different events around the year, but it's all business people, right? And I was able to, I decided I want to make more of an impact in, in, the, in the business that I'm in, right? We are living for Christ. It doesn't matter where God has placed you, he's put you there for a reason. And I suddenly realized I don't want to waste this time in this business world like I wasted my time in school. And so I decided I was going to speak, I was speaking on this, uh, at this event, a marketing event to about 2,000 people. And I decided I want to wear this. I'm just going to see what happens. Cross equals love. I just want to do something that will stir people's hearts or get them to ask questions. And what happened was I had about 30 people come up to me after the the business seminar asking me about what this top meant. And we got into about 30 deep, deep conversations about the gospel, right? Is that not exciting? Is that exciting? That That this kid who literally had what looked like no potential and nothing going for him is now able to influence thousands of people because of the grace of God, because I'm clinging on to him saying, I do not want to let go of you. You are my rock. You're my foundation. And I'm going to come in close with this. My encouragement for you is don't waste the period that you're in now. Do yourself a favor and don't waste it because there is a particular plan that God has for every single person in in this room. Do you know that? Do you know that there's a plan for your life that literally no one else in this room could fulfill? That's how intimately Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit know you. That's how intimately they know you, that they have planned out all the talents and giftings and things they have planned for you. They've planned that out in your entire life. So don't hinder what God wants to do, right? The past is the past. Let's look forward at what he has for you and what he wants to do in your life because the plan he has for you, no one else could fulfill. Let him work in you. Let him work in your school, right? Don't worry about what people think about you in school. It is, I promise you, I promise you it's a waste, it's the biggest waste of all. I remember when I was in school, school felt like that was the period where like, life was happening. I was going to build my reputation. I was going to try and build my popularity as the strongest kid in school and all that kind of stuff. That was what I was trying to live for. And then you leave school and you're like, oh, I've got about 60, 70 years ahead. This was the smallest period ever. Please, please, please do yourself a favor and don't waste it, right? And I just want to close with this. I... While I was praying about this before and just praying for how to 
impact you guys and, how, and what God wanted to say. I felt like there was one particular group of people. And in a second, I'm going to invite Martin and some of the other guys to kind of help me just kind of lead through this. But I just had one group of people that I just feel God's really put in my heart ever since I first started to prepare this. And it's for, it's for anyone in the room who is in that period of either being bullied or you are bullying someone else, Right? And, you, and I'm not going to, just so you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make you do anything public, right? This is in your own heart. But I felt like there's people in this room who at this point, when I was talking about the bullying phase, right, there's something stirring in your heart. There's something like, oh, I'm feeling that pain. I'm feeling that pain of people poking fun at me or, um, you know, just pointing out things in me that, that aren't right, embarrassing me, talking behind my back, you know, leaving me out of friendship groups or games. And there's another group in here that you're already, you're feeling, man, I, I've, been, I've been that person. I've been pointing the finger at other people. I've been joining in to try and make myself look better. I've been putting other people down to elevate myself, right? And I remember a significant um, preach that happened in the Big Top at New Day a few years ago. Right? It was about four or five years ago. I remember the guy on stage, he was, he was talking about this exact same thing, about the, the issue of bullying. And I remember it vividly because what happened was he basically said, look, you have to forgive those bullies. If you don't, th- there will be some kind of anger that will linger. There will be bitterness that will linger. There will be something there that you have to deal with. You have to get it out. If you don't get it out, it will only grow stronger. Every now and again, something else will happen that will just add to this. Add to this thing and it will just grow. And it's something you have to break now. Because the devil, we have an enemy, and the devil's going to try and grow anything in you that is hurting you and is making you feel angry, right? And so what I want us to do is just, in your, in your own heart, right, if we could maybe just have every eyes closed in this room, just close your eyes and bow your head, right? And if you're in one of those categories, if you're, if you're being bullied, or if you know you're, you, you are, you're, you're poking fun at other people and, and, and you don't want to be that person anymore then I just want you to repeat a real simple prayer after me in your heart. Not out loud. I don't want to highlight anyone. This is between you and Jesus, right? So if you're being bullied, we have to forgive those people. We have to break the power of that. So just in your heart, I just want you to repeat after me. Father, I forgive them like you have forgiven me. I forgive them now. I break the power of this hold. I thank you for the forgiveness that you've brought into my life and I want to show that forgiveness onto these people the things they have said the things they have done the talk that has gone on Father help me forgive them Amen and if you're, if you're feeling like you are potentially in that category of being a bully, you've been saying things to someone that, that wasn't right, or you know was hurtful, you know was harmful, can we just do the same again? Can we just have every eye closed just for a second? And if that's you, just repeat after me. And we need, we need to repent for that. We need to say sorry to Jesus for that. And we want to change away from that. So we're going to say, Father, forgive me for what I've done. I'm sorry for saying that. I'm sorry for doing that to him. I'm sorry for doing that to her. Help me completely change my ways. Transform me into now a person that instead of bullying and points out the things in others that are not right, help me be the encourager. Help me be the person that cares for these people. Help me be the person that intervenes when I see something going on that is not okay. 
Father, I'm sorry. Help me be this new person. Amen. Just stay where you are for a moment. Could I ask you just keep your eyes closed? Just, I just feel like God wants to minister to a few people. So I just want to lead us in responding to a few different things. But I want to say this now. If, if you've just prayed that prayer, either because you feel like you're in a situation where you're being bullied or you are bullying others, I want to encourage you when we bring the seminar to an end to come and get prayer with our with our team we'd love to pray for you I think you know if you are in a situation where you're being bullied and you feel like there's no way out Jesus can bring hope and can change that situation and we'd love to pray for you and if you're someone who's bullying others and you're feeling that conviction of God we want to just love you and help you through that so I'd really encourage you to come and get prayer but while your eyes are closed I feel like God wants to minister to two particular groups of people. The first one is those who, as John was talking about, his story was uh, a kind of a spiral of, of worse and worse things, but the root of it was he was desperate for approval from others. And so actually many, he was willing to compromise on anything and everything because of his desire to be liked by those around him. And I just felt like as John was speaking, Jesus just wanted to say, hey, look, I want you to seek my approval more than anyone else's. And so if you feel as though sometimes or maybe all the time you're someone who, who just runs after the approval of your friends or the, you know, people at school rather than Jesus and you want to kind of really start to live for him and have his approval, I want you just to raise your hand where you are. People's eyes are closed. No one's going to judge you. Thank you. If that's you, if you want to live for Jesus more than you want to live for your friends, just raise your hands nice and high. This is one of those moments where you're saying, Jesus, I'm making a stand in my life. I don't want to run after those things. I don't want to go that way. I want to go after you. Okay, just where you are, I'm going to pray a prayer over you and I want you to, to expect to encounter Jesus in this moment. So just keep your eyes closed. Jesus, I thank you that you know every single person that's raised their hand. I thank you that you know their situation. I thank you that you know their circumstances. I thank you know, you know, that you know where they live. You know the friends they have. You know the challenges that they face. But I want to pray today, Jesus, that you would become more attractive than their friends. Jesus, I want to pray that they would get serious for you right now, that you deposit something in their hearts that mean that they're no longer those that do whatever their friends tell them to do just so that they can be liked. They're no longer those that dress in a certain way just so that they'll be liked. They're no longer those that speak in a certain way just so they'll be liked. But they are those that give their all to you and learn to live and follow you with everything they have. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. And then the second group, keep your eyes closed, please. Just This is the last thing. Second group is this. Those of you that um, either are, are struggling at school, you're not very good at academia, or um, more than that, I think you have just put a label over yourself of you're a failure. So you just think that you're rubbish at everything. And so you kind of speak that over yourself. You're, you're a failure. Or maybe you've had other people speak negativity over you. So for example, John was saying, you know, he's had some things said over him by his teachers. You're the worst people in the school, whatever, that you've believed about yourself. So either you're, you're speaking it over yourself. I'm rubbish. I'm a failure. Or you've had other people speak it over you. You're rubbish. You're a failure. And you just feel like actually you, I felt like Jesus wanted to speak his identity over you and who you are in him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If either you're speaking that over yourself or others are speaking that over you where you are just raise your hand if you're finding school hard or whatever just raise your hand I want to pray for you as well Jesus I want to thank you that you don't speak those words over anyone Jesus I thank you that you are not a condemning God you're not an angry God you're a God full of grace and mercy and love and Jesus I want to pray that they would hear right now who they are in you that they're not failures that they're not all rubbish that they're not whatever's been said over them, but they are those who are loved by the King of Kings. They are those who are chosen by the God of all things. 
that they are those who have a purpose and a plan. They are those that it says are good workmanship because of you, Jesus. I want to pray that they would be encouraged in you. I pray even today, as they leave this seminar, Lord, that they would find that there's suddenly a different mindset, a different way of thinking, that they no longer think about themselves in that way, but they see themselves as you see them. So we pray, bless them and encourage them in your name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much. Can we just give John a big round of applause and serve as well?